issues series at all. You might just have been thinking through stuff about God, about scripture of recent, and you would like to uh, maybe bring that up. So that, that'll be for us next week. But tonight, I want to I preach about happiness. And I want to, in a sense, fight for your happiness tonight. The work that I've put in for this is, is me uh, wanting to share with you God's word in order that you would understand what the Bible says, what God says about your happiness. Um, but what I want you to, you to do tonight is, because sometimes when, um, when preaching is happening, we can switch off, all right? Um, particularly if the preaching is not so hitting the mark as, as, it, as it should, or if I'm not quite getting the word across like I should be. So as I fight for your happiness and for to, to speak with clarity tonight, I want you to fight for your listening so that you would be able to receive this tonight, all right? So I'm going to pray now for my talking and for your listening. Let's do that, hey? All right, God, we just thank you. We thank you for this series, Lord, that we can look to the stuff that we're going through at the moment in, in life, stuff that's, um, that we're facing, things that seem to distract us from you or we seem to have at times distorted views about things in life and they have a tendency to lead us away from you. And I thank you, Lord, that we can come to your word for understanding. We can come to your word for truth. I thank you that truth isn't found in feelings, Lord, because feelings are so up and down all the time, Lord. I thank you that um, we don't look to the TV shows or um, psychology as, as the ultimate authority on what truth is, but we look to the scriptures, which are your word, and in them we find truth, God. I thank you for that. So I pray tonight, Lord, that you would help me to speak with clarity of your word, and I pray for um, us as a congregation that we would be able to hear it, Lord. I pray for our listening tonight that we would um, be able to follow along, take this on board, and, and actively listen to what's happening here uh, this evening as well. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so whenever you start talking, well, in conversations when I've been having about people about uh, happiness, um, Sometimes people might go, well, what are you talking about, happiness or joy? And a lot of people think that there is a difference between happiness and joy. And that seems to be something that I feel like I've heard. I might be wrong. Maybe you haven't heard that so much. But I feel like I've heard people say things like, well, happiness is sort of the fleeting stuff, the, the feeling stuff that you might feel happy for a little bit. But joy is this sort of deep stuff that's, that's there forever. Um, that sounds pretty good. And there's definitely some articles that you could read online and some, some teaching around where people have sought to give meaning to words in that, in that context. But if you just did a simple dictionary search on the meaning of happiness and joy, you'd find out they're actually synonyms of, of one another. Uh, for instance, the definition of happy is feeling or showing great pleasure or contentment. The definition of joyful is feeling or expressing great pleasure and happiness. So the way that the Bible actually uses happiness and joy is the same thing. So um, it's fine if people want to you know, try and give it a little bit of different meaning or, or try and explain things a little bit differently. But if we come to the Scriptures, as we said, if we're coming to the Scriptures for truth, then we'll find that the Bible mostly uses the word joy when it's talking about happiness. And so that's the way I'm going to kind of use it tonight. If I say happy or if I say joy, I'm meaning the same thing, okay? Um, so the question comes, and I think this is a fair question to ask, does God want you to be happy? All right, and Maybe you have some mixed emotions as you think about that. Does God want me to be happy? Because maybe you're sitting here and going, well, if you wanted me to be happy, I might be happy. I've got so much going on in my life, I don't feel that happy. Or um, maybe somebody says, yes, absolutely, God does want you to be happy. And so there might be a mix of, of, of things there. 
the way that I would answer that, I would say, does God want us to be happy? I would say yes and no. And I would say no in if what we mean by does God want you to be happy, do we mean a kind of worldly version of or a worldly interpretation of happiness where we are sort of having this feeling that we've got our rights and we can kind of demand, well, I should be happy. I deserve to be happy. If it's that kind of sort of approach that we're taking to, to happiness, no, I don't think that kind of lines up with Scripture. Um, in fact, if we look over our series of issues, um, we see this pattern where it's as if humans uh, feel like they've got these rights, like we sort of demand stuff. And uh, whether, it, whether it be um, rights over our money, like we have this tendency to sort of feel like this is my money, I earned it, and I, have these kind of, I hold on to it tightly. We have rights over, we feel like we've got rights over sex and relationships. That was another topic that we did. We have rights over our time. This is my time and why should I give it to anybody else? Or I need to hold on to that. I need to keep my options open. Or we might feel that we've got rights over our entertainment. No, I deserve to be able to sit down and binge watch um, 20 episodes. And uh, we, we feel like that's our right, you know. And again, we demand happiness. We, it, there's a sense in which humans feel like, no, I deserve to be right. I don't think this is kind of lines up biblically. And I feel like demanding gifts is never a good look, is it? Like if we think about a child stomping their feet at Christmas saying, I, I expected to get more toys. Like we don't demand gifts. And the reality is that any of these things that we've looked at in this series, they are gifts from God. Money, we might try and hold on to it so tightly in our fist. It was given to us by God. The ability to earn money is a gift given to us by God. Sex and relationships given to us by God. Our time is a gift. So the minute we start sort of demanding about our time, I think we're getting ourselves into a, into a difficult situation. But the question was, does God want you to be happy? I answer that yes. Yes, I do believe God does want you to be happy. But here's the thing. God himself is the source of our happiness, not the gifts that he gives. And we've seen through this, we've used Romans 1 so much, where we talked about people have traded in um, the glory of God. They, don't, they seek the created thing rather than the creator. We constantly have seen this through this series. So rather than seeing sex and relationships as being, oh, this is something as a gift from God, people have gone, no, no, this is, this is mine and I'm going to love and worship the gift rather than the giver of the gift. It's been the same thing the whole series through. We've seen this time and time again. But it is God himself who is the source of our happiness and joy. A life of knowing God is a joyful life. And I believe that scripture speaks in this way. So let's, let's take a quick look. I'm going to um, just use, you don't have to turn here because I'm, I'm going to go to a different one in a minute. But John 17, 13. In this chapter, Jesus is praying to God the Father. And this is what he says. Now I am coming to you. So he's saying to the Father, I'm coming to you. And I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy complete in them. So Jesus is praying to the heavenly Father for your joy. So there's this connection. There seems to be this connection, right, where joy for us, happiness for us is connected with Jesus. Joy and Jesus go together. So what does this joy look like that God gives to us? What is this happiness that we can expect um, 
in the Christian life. I never planned that, but that's cool. All right, so you've got your Bible. I want you to turn with me to John chapter 3. And we're going to see a conversation that takes place where I believe we're going to get some answers about this thing called joy. All right. Jesus has been baptized, and he is now starting his earthly ministry, and he is baptizing people. John the Baptist was known as the forerunner. He went before Jesus, and he was baptizing people. He was preparing the way. He was the one who was calling out in the wilderness, telling people the Messiah is coming. John the Baptist. So we're talking about here, this this passage deals with a conversation that happened between John the Baptist, the forerunner, the one who told about Jesus, having a conversation with his own disciples, his own followers. All right, we're going to kick off from verse 22. And uh, we're going to read this passage through. Just before I do that... um, there's, a, there's an author a couple of you might have heard of known as Leon Morris. He wrote some amazing commentaries. and uh, Leon Morris says that these words that we're going to hear in this are among the greatest words ever spoken by a mortal before. So outside of the Holy Trinity, outside of God, these are, these are the greatest words. This is what he claims. These are the greatest words spoken by a man. All right, let's have a look. We're in verse 22. Okay, Jesus and John the Baptist. So he's come, Jesus is coming off this conversation with Nicodemus about how to be reborn. He says after, this, says, after this, Jesus and his disciples went to the Judean countryside where he spent time with them and baptized. John also was baptizing in Anon near Salem because there was plenty of water there. People were coming and being baptized since John had not yet been thrown into prison. Then a dispute arose between John's disciples and a Jew about purification. So they came to John and they told him, Rabbi, the one you testified about and who was with you across the Jordan is baptizing and everyone is going to him. John responded, no one can receive anything unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I've been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the groom, but the groom's friend who stands by and listens for him rejoices greatly at the groom's voice. So this joy of mine is complete. He must increase, I must decrease. This is the word of the Lord. What's happening here in this text? There's a conversation going on between John and his disciples. John's disciples seem to have their nose out of joint about the reality, about the fact that Jesus is now baptizing people in place of John baptizing people. And they've come to John and they're saying, what's going on here? You're the one who does the baptizing. You're the one who's doing all of that. And now this Jesus guy that was with you before, he's the one that's doing the baptizing. And not, and not just that he's doing it, everybody's going to him instead. We're getting left with maybe a few, but everybody's going over to Jesus instead of you, John. What's going on? And here's John's response. Let's look at verse 27. He says, no one can receive anything unless it has been given to him from heaven. So John's acknowledging, he's understanding that when it comes to anything that John even had in his life, in his ministry, it was from God anyway. It wasn't his. 
So he couldn't take pride over his ministry and say, look how well I'm doing, baptizing all these people and leading all these people to the understanding of who Jesus is and that, he's, that the Messiah is coming. No, he's like, this was given to me by God. This isn't to do with me. And isn't that the same in this series that we're looking at? The gifts that we're given, none of these gifts are things that we've earned or, or, or have the demands and the rights over, but they are given to us by God. Verse 28, you yourselves can testify that I said I am not the Messiah, meaning he's not, he's not Jesus. That's what he's saying there. But I've been sent ahead of him. See, John already said to other people, I'm not even worthy to tie Jesus's shoes. Sandals, as it was. Verse 29. He who has the bride is the groom, but the groom's friend who stands by and listens for him rejoices greatly at the groom's voice. So this joy of mine is complete. This joy of mine is complete. Who can say that? Their happiness is complete. John the Baptist said it. He said it as he saw Jesus becoming more important. And he says this, verse 30, he must increase, but I must decrease. He's saying Jesus needs to become the center of attention. And in that, he's saying that's where my happiness is. Jesus being more important than anything that I'm doing. Jesus lifted up. Okay, so here, I want you to stay with me. If you've, if you've started to tune out, snap back on, stay with me, because this is about you and your joy, remember? All right, we are going to see a connection here now between God being glorified and your joy. So God lifted up, you happy. All right, that's the connection that we're looking for here. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to deal with this, this idea of glory. We're going, to, we're going to talk about Jesus being lifted up, him increasing, and ultimately, what that means is we, when you heard us say before, we want to glorify God tonight. God, would you use the worship that we're doing here tonight? Would you use the singing to glorify you? As we pray, as we uh, invest in one another, would you be glorified in all we do? That's what we're going to deal with now. Glory of God. And here are some words if you look up what glory is. It says high renown or honor. Magnificence of great beauty. Splendor majesty, greatness, celebrity, and praise. These are words that will come up if you look up the word glory. But here's the thing. Glory is not something that is for humans. Glory is not a human thing. It's a God thing. It's God in origin, and it belongs to him. You could say he's stingy with it, and he is right to be. Glory belongs to God and God alone. Glory isn't ours. Now, the world doesn't get this. Let's look at um, just a couple of those words that came out there. Greatness, celebrity, and praise. Isn't that what we all chase? <laughs> look at that. Celebrity, greatness, and praise. Human beings long for it. They want to be famous. They have show after show dedicated to people having the right voice so that they can be praised so that we can see them and say how great they are from celebrities and everyone trying to get a name out there the advertising that our world pushes on us continues to tell us how important we are it tells us about the i world 
where I am so important. Come and check how, how good I look. You can take a, a beautiful selfie of my lovely face, put it up on, and then I can check back every five minutes to see if anybody liked it. And you get five likes, I feel, I feel depressed now. It was my mum and my sister and somebody else. <laughs> it didn't happen, by the way. I'm just... We can get on social media and we can say, look how amazing my life is. Sorry about yours. The misuse or misdirection of attention to greatness even sneaks into our church. Now, let's, let's just be serious here for a minute about the prosperity gospel. If you've never heard that term before, you need to know about it because the scriptures themselves tell us that we are to guard sound teaching. That means don't tolerate sound teaching. That means make it known to others that there is teaching out there that will lead you away from Christ. And that prosperity gospel is a false gospel. It is no gospel at all. And the prosperity gospel says, come to Jesus and you will have all of your dreams met. It teaches that Jesus is nothing more than a genie in a bottle that wants to make you awesome. It sells a lot of books. But it's not the gospel. It's a gospel that says you are going to be so victorious and great this week. Here are five steps to it. Be careful who you like on Facebook and follow their quotes. Take their quote to scripture and see if it lines up. God is not your cheerleader. God is not your hype man. God is not your life coach cheering you on to be awesome. Glory is reserved for the God of the universe. He alone is to be praised. He is worthy. He is to be revered. He is to be celebrated. He is to be honored. There was this kid a few years back came up to me at um, one of the events that we we're putting on. And uh, I'd, I'd, saw, I'd seen him sort of move out during some of the songs that we were doing. And I'd had a bit of a chat with him a few times before. And a little bit later in the uh, sort of just mingling time, I had a chat with him. And he said to me, I said, oh, how did you find this evening? He said, oh, I don't know about this God stuff, man. I said, tell me more. And he says, well, everybody goes in and they sing him praises. He says, I just feel like he's some sort of, it's all about God's ego. He needs all these praises and we have to sing all his praises. And he was really quite disturbed by it. That's why he'd, he'd left the room. Now, interestingly... This is exactly the same thing that Oprah Winfrey and Brad Pitt said about, about Jesus, about God. And they said, I'm not going to follow this God. And they said that he is an egomaniac, always after the praise and the glory. And as I, I step back from comments like that, I think what they're actually doing is they're elevating themselves in a position of being more righteous than God himself. Suddenly, they've become the judge of the earth the judge over all of humanity, and they're going to tell us now what God should be like. It seems that they want to relieve God of some of his glory. How big of them? How big of Brad and Oprah to want to share in some of God's glory? How big of this snot-nosed kid to want to have some of God's glory for himself? Actually, Scripture's... In the scriptures, we actually have a similar situation where we, where we find out that there was somebody else 
who was in search of the glory of God. He wanted a share of God's glory as well. His name was Satan. And Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Glory and greatness are reserved for God. I don't seek my glory. I was made from dust. Our church, this congregation right here, is for the glory of God. It's not about our preferences. I love the worship tonight. I've been loving the worship and that, but it's not about the preferences that I want or what we want. It's about God being glorified in this place so that other people would see it and go, what is going on there? Who is this Jesus that they keep going on about? Our music and singing, it's for the glory of God. The preaching of God's word is for his glory. The fellowship, the time that we would spend in the future out here or going out to dinner with each other or spending time, it's not purely so we can say we had a a good afternoon. It is for God's glory. Again, that people would look upon this church and say God is in that place. Jesus is loved and and talked about. He's celebrated. Those people seem to be on about Jesus because we're talking about the creator of the universe here. That's who we're celebrating. This is no false God like Baal that's going to offer, you know, promises to us that he won't come through with. God always fulfills his promise. He's the creator of all. All right. How are we feeling on the glory stuff? Are we okay with God's glory? Have we... uh, have we got that? Let me see some heads nodding. Yeah? Do I need to explain some more or is it, we're, we're good? A couple of smiles. Anyone? Thanks, Liam. Appreciate that one. All right. John the Baptist talks about how his joy is complete. And he gives the analogy of the wedding. The best man is happy because he hears the voice of the groom. So in this passage, when it gets to this marriage conversation, um, the Bible often uses marriage to talk about what sort of a relationship we've got with God. It's a marriage-like union. So if you hear somebody say they've got a relationship with God, they've got a marriage-like union with the creator of the universe. That's what's going on here. And John is saying, why would the best man, ultimately, be trying to draw the attention to himself? Who's recently been married here? Lem. I don't know who your best man was, but imagine if... um, it was Cam. Okay, fantastic. That works even better. All right, so imagine Lem and Oddie are there getting their, their wedding photos done. And for every single photo, Cam just jumps in and photo bombs it. And so it's just, he probably would do it here and there. All right. But he's not going to do it, is he, really? All right. That's what he's saying. That's what John the Baptist is saying in here. The best man, the, the, the groom's friend, is excited when he hears the voice of the groom coming in because he knows that it's about him. This is the one that we're excited about. So here what he says is, when Jesus increases, joy increases. It's a happier time when Jesus is more important than you are. It's a better time, it's a happier time when Jesus is more important than me. When Jesus takes center stage, John is full of joy And the same in our lives. As we grow in all areas of our life, being Jesus-centered, that's actually where we find happiness. That's actually where we find joy. This isn't advertised on TV, though, is it? 
you don't see a, uh, an ad on TV or, or, or see a, something come up in your, in your news feed saying, hey, viewers, are you ready to decrease this week? Are you looking to become less important? Well, sign up with us. It doesn't happen, does it? Because they want to make you the important one, right? But when you talk about God's kingdom, there's a term that gets used and it says, this is an upside-down kingdom. This doesn't operate the way that the world does. And I'm so thankful because the world's ways continue to let us down every single time. The upside-down kingdom where as we decrease, we are actually more joyful. See, when this shift takes place in us, this is where true joy and happiness is found, a decreasing of us and an increasing of Jesus. There are people in this room, and I knew you before you were a Christian, I'm not going to name names and embarrass anybody. But there is so much joy in my heart as I watch these people on this journey of not knowing God to being filled with joy as a result of knowing Jesus. I'm watching young people whose lives were all about them now on this new course in life where they're all about Jesus. And they're turning up and they're serving and they're a part of this community. And it is so beautiful. There is so much joy in watching this happen and seeing lives being transformed. Seeing people go, I used to be all about my stuff, but now I'm about this this Jesus guy. I don't even know why. He's called me to himself. And this this is the new direction that my life is on. So here's the link in this passage with God's glory and your happiness. John the Baptist finds it. We can find it. So God glorified in your life equals your joy. Jesus lifted up in your life means your happiness. This comes down to the basic question of why I was created. Everybody can ask that question at some stage in life. What's the point of all of this? The answer is this. You were created for the glory of God. This is how important the glory of God is. That's why I'm talking about it so much tonight. You were created for it. You weren't created to have, you know, um, when people try and think about how they're going to map out their life. Now, sure, we can, we can definitely try and have a good career path and, and work towards things, but that's not what you were created for. You weren't created for being good at your job as the ultimate reason why you were created. You were created for God's glory that no matter what situation you are in, you are glorifying God in your life. Jesus increases, happiness increases. Now we have to just pause a moment and just address something here because not every situation that we walk through is easy, right? So somebody might be here tonight going through a really, really difficult stage of life. And happiness might be the furthest thing from their mind. So does having joy mean that everything is always going to go well? Well, I think we can all answer no to that. However, there is further good news for you tonight. And this is how good God is. The good news is that God uses all of your things for good. He uses everything for good for those who love him. So no matter what situation you're in, whether it's financial difficulty, whether it's struggling with depression and anxiety, whether it's struggles in in, in relationship, whether it's health, 
God loves you so much that he would take the things that you're walking through and then use them for your good. When we walk through them, so often we walk through and we just go, why God? We can read Psalms and see exactly the same thing. David crying out, why? How long, O Lord, he says. We see this stuff in, in Job, in so many books of the Bible. But we know also that as we walk out of it, we go, I totally see what God was doing. I didn't see it when I was walking through the thick of it, but I know what God was doing. And he was using it for my good and his glory. So God glorified him increasing. That's our focus. That's our purpose. And all I can say is what a relief. What a relief it is to finally be able to go, oh, so it's not all about me? I don't know if you've, if you've come to that or had that realization where it just, you know, you're just trying to work everything out for your purposes, your reason, and you find out that it's all about Jesus, and it's just like this massive weight off where you just go, oh, I just get to enjoy Jesus. I get to love and enjoy the creator of the universe. Um, when I, I've talked before about being in a season where I was running away from God, that I had past hurts and, and church hurts and, and that sort of thing. And uh, again, God just being so gracious that he, he comes out. He's the shepherd who comes out and goes after that one and calls his people back. God was beginning to do that in my life. At that stage in my life, I was seeking my own purposes. And what I wanted to do was I wanted to be known as a music artist. I wanted to perform, release albums, and basically travel, travel around and do that. And there was so much pressure that I was putting on my family and on myself as I went and performed and did shows in all sorts of places. And I was struggling. I was feeling like I wasn't getting the recognition that I deserved and... and in, in and amongst this, God was at work in my life. And I was, you know, I turn up in another Christian workplace. Great. Good one, God. More Christians. Um, I'm on this particular journey. I've got workmates that go, hey, I'm praying for you. I just want to say, get lost. Don't pray for me. But then I'm walking away and I'm like starting to tear up. Um, I know God's at work. Anyway, what happened was the thing that I was looking for came my way. I wanted somebody to, to invite me on a tour. And this guy who got a hold of one of my albums, he um, gave me an email. He said, hey, man, love your stuff, and I'd love to fly you down to, to Melbourne for a part of my tour that I'm on. And um, there's some money in it for you. We'll do a few shows. I'll put you up in a hotel, yada, yada, yada. I was like, yes, this is what I've been working towards, right? And although as I was on that plane and as I was heading down to Melbourne, God was just working on my heart. And I start, started to realize this thing that I was heading for wasn't the thing that I wanted after all. And funny enough, we, we get to the hotel and the guys are all like, hey, we're going to have drinks and why don't you come over? So I went and met with them for a little bit. But as we were going in, I noticed that there was a Kurong Christian bookstore right across the road. And uh, I was sitting there having some chats, making the small talk. And I was so bored. These guys talking about their albums, talking about how good they were hip-hop, we call it dope. They were telling me how dope they were. And I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to take a walk and I'll meet you at the show. I wasn't going to take a walk. I was going to Kurong. <laughs> and I spent like an hour before the show um, just reading the back of books. I didn't buy any that day, but I was just like reading books. And I think I might have looked a bit crazy, but I was just like going all around this store. And I was standing in it and I just went, 
just want God. I'm so, I'm so tired of the facade. Here I am getting the thing that I was yearning for. I don't even want it. I just want God. And that wasn't by my own good doing. That was by God being gracious with me, revealing to me again his love, his gentleness, his kindness that leads to repentance. And the flight back, I was just like preparing in my mind the conversation I was going to have with my wife when we got home where I said, so I'm going to do the following Jesus thing. And uh, what, a, what a relief it was. This pressure, this weight that was upon me to be awesome, to be this, to be that, lifted off. And Jesus just gets to be the awesome one that he actually is. He is so, so worthy. He is so good. If this concept is foreign to you, and if you haven't had much to do with the Bible, it would be foreign to you because you've only grown up hearing and being presented a certain worldview about the world that we live in. But I want to encourage you tonight that there's a better one, and it's God's one. There's a quote from author C.S. Lewis, who wrote The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, Chronicles of Narnia. And uh, he says this, it's from a book called The Weight of Glory. He says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. Our desires are too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. He says that we are like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Maybe you're far too easily pleased playing with mud pies. What I mean by that is playing in the worldview that you already have, that this is just the way life is. And I just want to encourage you tonight, there is a better one. There is better than playing in the slums in the, with the mud pies. There is the God of all creation who created you, who loves you, who desires to set you on this new course of life where those burdens, those pressures, those pressures can be lifted and you can just simply love God and love other people. The gospel is that Jesus Christ came to earth. He became a man. God became a man in Jesus. He lived a perfect life and then he suffered on a cross for your sins, my sins. He had never sinned once. He took our sins upon himself on the cross. He died. He rose again three days later. And he calls us to repent, which means to turn from our own ways. Turn from our striving in our own stuff. Repent means to change mind, change of heart. It means to turn from our sin and follow the God of the universe, to put our trust in him. You don't have to earn, earn this. It's a free gift to you. It costs Jesus, and it becomes a free gift to you. If you don't know this God of the universe that I'm talking about, this wonderful, wonderful Savior, please talk to someone tonight. Come and chat to me or the person you came with. Spend a moment. Jesus has a better plan for the way we live our lives. We're thinking through this issue series now. He has a better plan for your money. He has a better plan for sex and relationships. He has a better plan than the way we think we're going to use our, our downtime and um, entertainment. He has a better view of your worth than what Instagram offers. 
He has a better plan than keeping your options open to avoid having to commit to anything. And in all these things, in in every area of our lives, we can leave these slums and pursue God. What I want to do now, how are we going for time? I'm just going to ask if you will um, just take a moment to pray with someone who's who's with you. Um, If you want to just talk, that's okay. You might want to do it in pairs or you might want to get a couple together. And I just want you to pray for each other and say, hey, how is one way that you want to see Jesus increase in your life, that I might know some more of that joy? Let's just take a minute to do that now. One way that Jesus could increase in your life. And then just simply pray for that person. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for um, our time of, our time of worship here tonight, Lord, where we can come to you, we can look to your word, we can sing about you and, and see, Lord, that um, what we need is more Jesus. In all these issues that we've looked at over these past weeks, we've continued to see that our distorted views are the other issues, distorted views of really good things, good gifts that we've taken and used in, in unhelpful ways. But Lord, you call us to a better plan and a better purpose. And I thank you for that tonight, God. I pray, Lord, that you would um, help us to see clearly that more Jesus equals more joy. More Jesus, more happiness. I pray that we would be a congregation that would seek to decrease. We understand that this is not uh, common teaching in, our, in the world around us, Lord. We are part of an upside-down kingdom that do things a little bit differently. But these are your truths, your kingdom, your creation, Lord. So, Lord, I just pray tonight that you would um, do a work in us, Lord. If it's, if it's approval that we might be seeking from other people, Lord, I pray that you would break that in us, Lord. Lord, if it's our bad thinking about maybe our rights and our demands and what we deserve, uh, redirect us, Lord, to your gospel that, that shows us that all these things are, are gifts from you, Lord. Lord, if we are like those children in that analogy from C.S. Lewis that are content playing in slums with mud pies, I pray that you would lead us, God, to greater places of joy. Uh, You would take us out of slums to beautiful oceans, Lord, meaning that you would teach us your ways rather than the world's ways. Lord, I pray that we we would decrease, that Jesus would increase, and that we would find that true joy. Pray this tonight in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.